Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, ready to fill you in on a few things that have caught my eye over the last week as I finally get caught up on shows, movies, stuff that's just been going on while I've been away at cons, on the road, delivering information and, and entertainment to Everyone out there across the world. We are sponsored by Suzy Q's, who is hard at work getting ready for their open house that'll happen here in two weeks. So if you want to come and see some of Suzy's unique jewelry that you're not going to find anywhere else, perfect gift ideas, come on by. Go to the 5280 Geek uh Facebook page. You'll see a link right there for the event. It's in the studio, so you also get a chance to come by, see me and the 5280 Geek podcasting studio and everything we kind of we kind of do around here. Uh, but the important thing is come hang out, see what's going on, see what Susie's unique special item for this open house is going to be. She's very excited. She's been working really hard on it down the hall. So uh, come by, say hi, hang out for a few hours. Our other sponsor is Action Line Studios, Mr. Matt Campbell, uh, the creator of one of the most clever ideas presented in comic book format that I could ever find. If you go to actionlinestudios.com, there you will find Mythica, one of the best Indie comic books you're going to find on the market. Enter in the code 5280 and you will get a discount code on that. I know Matt is also running some other Christmas specials, so go by, check it out. It's a perfect chance to get something for, you know, that comic book fan, the the vampire Scots, uh, Scotsman World War II enthusiast in, in the family because, you know, we, we all have them. <laughs> just saying, they're there. I'm one of them. It's great. Read it, even if you're not any of those, and you just like a good story, go check out Mythica. Matt and I would thank you. And like I said, an extra 20 bucks brings uh, Matt out to the house to read it to you before bedtime. He's, he's really all about that. Uh, just have some tea or uh, scotch. Maybe scotch in the tea. Yeah, that would, that would probably be better. He loves when they do that. <laughs> uh, what is going on? What is getting caught up? So... So much happening, um, movie-wise. Let's go. Let's dive in da, 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 into the movies. I did see Black Panther, and this. And I'm not. I, I, I no spoilers. No real deep dive on it just yet. Uh, our meat and potatoes review for that will be coming shortly. So my initial reaction is um, okay. Just I. I'm. Mm, it's pretty. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think this sets up, especially uh, the one the one big takeaway I had from this film without going into it too much uh, is it is a perfect setup for Doom War. Uh, there are some references, obscure ones, about Doctor Doom, and I know we are leaning towards the Fantastic Four and going towards that direction. But I think... The next big bad, of course, for Black Panther, if we see a Black Panther 3, or whatever they've got planned for Phase 5 now, because I think this was the end for Phase 4. So we're, we're on our way to the next installment, the next Marvel go-around, and I think it kicks off with Ant-Man in February. I think that is the next big one uh, that I'm looking forward to. The trailers and everything for it so far have been... I think the most compelling for me as a Marvel fan, as a franchise fan, even just as a movie fan. So we'll wait and see what happens in February. Right now, here's the speculation. The whole thing is set on vibranium, of course, it being introduced to the, the, the global 
market, as it were, and now everyone is aware of it. So uh, the film does go through this, but it does set up Doom War, which is Doctor Doom going and basically trying to invade Wakanda for Vibranium, something to help uh, his level of science and mystic and Doom bots and armor. And there are some very interesting similarities to the comic book story that this happens and how this movie Black Panther Wakanda Forever sets that whole story up with the introduction of a lot of characters not going to spoil that for you yet uh, but the, the the foundation for this whole story arc is now in place how or if they decide to go down that road it remains to be seen but I'm excited to see you know them kind of start breaking out a little bit further into the Marvel U. I'm excited to see them bring in some other characters that I think they've neglected, that they've overlooked, and they have just haven't given a fair enough amount of screen time or thought in regards to the character developing the stories since Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, after that, it was just kind of like, okay, you know, now what? It's like, you know, after... Thanksgiving or Christmas when you're sitting there and you go through the whole buildup and then there's just the the massive explosion of emotions and then you just sat there and you don't know what to do. <laughs> what what do I do next? You take a nap, you make a sandwich and you watch some TV. That's what usually ends up happening. But with the Marvel phases the way it is, I'm I'm very anxious to see what happens. As far as Black Panther, my initial reaction is is mixed. And it's simply just because of the standpoint of from a from a fan perspective and seeing what I'm uh, laying out in front of me for the Marvel Universe, um, for what what I'm hoping will explode into something bigger uh, than what it is. I mean, right now, and I know it's a term that everyone's just kind of. You know, saying through clenched teeth, but the MCU is is very prevalent. It is very much um, active right now, and I don't. I, I have nothing against the characters that they're bringing in, but it's how they're bringing them in and at what cost. And I'm I'm disappointed that the writing has been so eh, what what little lackluster. Just as a point of reference, and take this what you will, but new characters from a male perspective, all right? Male characters that have been introduced in the new phase. There are 15 total new male characters that are introduced, five of which they smoked. They're dead. So realistically, we have 10 character, ten male characters, that new ones that have been introduced after smoking basically all of the Avengers. They are gone, guys. It's It's over... You know, the chairs are on the table, the lights are getting turned out, it's it's time to move forward with Thunderbolts and whatever team else that they decide to bring along. Female characters that they introduced is 27, uh, with none of them dying. Well, I mean, Jane Foster's kind of on that bubble. I'm sure they could bring her back. She did technically, you know, die. But um, for all intents and purposes, that that does lean a lot towards a very MCU. Uh, and I've got, like I said, I've got no problem with it. It is what it is. But if you're going to write strong female characters, write strong female characters. Don't write female characters with substandard supporting characters that emphasize that main character you know what i'm saying and and this has been an ongoing story for me and my largest gripe about marvel and and how they're approaching this but again it's just kind of one of those things that i see in the black panther the film is great the characters are wonderful namor is interesting and it's a it's a fun take on namor but as i walked away from Black Panther, the one thing that started resonating with me is all of the male characters, which there are a few, and I mean few literally, that that stand out, but they're mostly villains or, you know, half characters. They're not really fleshed out, and it's kind of disappointing. And then everything else, everyone else, are female characters. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's great, but I really think that they're balance is balance 
and what's fair for one should be fair for the other. That's all I'm saying. But I I will say this. The Black Panther is worth seeing. There are some very good story elements that and underlying messages in this film that, you know, it, it causes you to stop and think and reflect and think about, you know, the greater good and, and the world that we live in now. And that's great. I love compelling storytelling when it's properly presented. And there are some moments in Black Panther that that does happen. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. And there are, the, you know, the Chadwick Boseman moments where you're just like, oh, and his... His passing um, definitely set this film off to the side a little bit more than what I think they had planned. I would love to have seen a Namor um, face-off against T'Challa story fight. All of that, it would have been great. It would have been perfect. And it's a different fight with the new Black Panther and Namor than I think it would have been if uh, Bozeman had, had not passed away. So... I still think it's worth seeing in the film or seeing in the theaters. It's really good for sure. But more exciting, more, more, just more, more is this week. The wait is over. Speaking of tomorrow, we get Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which I have just been so excited about, and Kevin Bacon officially enters the MCU. So the funny thing is, so they've released the playlist, which I think is more exciting uh, sometimes than the films, just because I, I love the way Gunn puts everything together for soundtracks with the films, and they're just so complementive and mesh uh, so well together. So Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, uh, Here It Is Christmas is actually by Kevin Bacon and his band, the old 47s. There's a Smashing Pumpkins uh, Christmas time in there. There's uh, the Wombats. Really? Is this Christmas? So, I mean, new classics, I guess, being, you know, redone. I mean, who doesn't like a good Christmas album? I mean, really. And I honestly think this will be kind of like one of those annual Christmas, you know, traditions like a Charlie Brown Christmas or um, I can't think of any. Oh, The Grinch, of course. I mean, every year you have to watch The Grinch. My personal favorite for Christmas, of course, is A Wish the Wings That Work, uh, a Bloom County uh, one. I've got it on VHS, so I have to crack out the VHS player. Actually, it, who says crack? It's it's actually hooked up in the rack. I, I, I It's there just in case. You never know when you want to watch a good VHS uh, movie that's not on DVD or Blu-ray. There are a few, but I honestly think that uh, a wish for wings at work is is classic. It's timeless, and Opus and Santa having the best interaction ever is 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 perfect. So, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special it does premiere on Disney Plus November twenty fifth, and everything I've seen from it looks absolutely great. The soundtrack actually. Uh, comes available tomorrow uh the 23rd so if if you're looking for an early christmas (laughs) studio album there you go i'm just very curious what the smashing pumpkins doing a christmas song is going to sound like because i mean it's been a while i i don't i don't think i've ever heard smashing pumpkins doing a christmas song but you know I, i i could be wrong um what else? Also, in the way of TV, Walking Dead uh, did finally air its last episode, but it, it's over. But it's not done. Let's let's face facts. The Walking Dead is dead. Um, <laughs> seemed a bit redundant. Redundant, I know. But Walking Dead is done. It's over, and now we move on to the Walking Dead universe. We get. I'm not going to spoil it. I'll give you guys a week. I'll talk about Walking Dead next week. Um, but I just had to stop and you know just say wow. And if you haven't watched it yet and you're catching up like I am, there's there's some very interesting choices. There's some fun twists, and I've enjoyed a lot of them kind of tying up loose ends, the redemption of Negan, um, just you know other other things and we're so far from the comic books to just kind of see how they wrap up 
some of the stories that you needed other characters to do and just kind of see how they they piece that all together has been relatively um, interesting. It's been different. So, I mean, how can it be like the end when during like the final last few episodes, we've already seen the commercials for the new series like Daryl Dixon and Michonne and Rick and, you know, just I don't know. I they should just call it done. It should just be over. That's all I'm saying. If you're going to you're going to finish it, I want more Walking Dead, of course. But I think I think the whole approach needs to be redone. The foundations need to be laid. What I liked uh was the tales of the Walking Dead. The first episode with Terry Crews and Olivia Munn was absolutely just kind of pleasant it was fun it was flirty it it had these these great little character developing moments that walking dead used to be great for there there was emotion there was stuff that tied us to the world but then around us it's the apocalypse and it was a great approach and that first episode was great i don't want to ruin anything else but at least watch that one and i like that those one-offs those those stories some of the best storytelling that we saw for walking dead were this those weird one-offs so i would i would be more inclined for that fear of the walking dead i'm just i'm uh i'm in i'm out i'm in i'm out i just can't i can't really get into that show and with them killing off certain characters that just pissed me right the hell off that i'm probably probably not coming back yeah i'm out (laughs) i say that now but one night I'll get bored and can't find anything on TV to watch, and I'll end up down the <sighs> Fear the Walking Dead rabbit hole again. Damn it. I know myself so well. Um, the Walking Dead is finished. It is available on streaming. Let me know what your thoughts are. I I won't say anything yet. I don't want to do any spoilers because I'm sure there's a lot of people like me who are just catching up. It kind of snuck in there like all of a sudden The Walking Dead is over, and the Commonwealth did everything that I expected it to do from the comic. There were some great moments, some 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 hero moments that I was like, yeah, but eh, I'll share my thoughts a little bit later. Uh, also in TV, uh, a couple of things. First of all, Quantum Leap is fucking awesome. All right. It's on hiatus right now. But the whole story, how they're approaching it, the nods and how carefully uh, meticulous they have been with the details from the previous series to this series and building off of the past and paying homage and building their own story. It has been spectacular. I just absolutely love the show. It's on hiatus right now. It will be coming back. It got a full season order, so there will be more episodes, and I wouldn't doubt that there will be a second season based on everything that we have seen, especially the way they have progressed the story and they keep pulling you in. There's so many different elements before, you know, the original series limited with budget, you know, area, where can we shoot things of that nature? Um, It was probably one of the more expensive period pieces that was on NBC at the time. But since then, Things have changed. And to have the integration of current time with what's going on here versus while, you know, we have the Leaper in the past and soon to evidently be the future is very compelling. It's amazing what they've done with the story. And I really, I really want to push this out there that you need to watch it. Just, just go watch it, please. <laughs> uh, also on TV that I'm finally caught up with is Stargirl. <sighs> I know. You guys are probably tired of me talking about this show. But it's it's actually kind of good. I really love the elements of having the bad guys in there more more forward than the the heroes. And all the characters have actually been really well done. The villains, again, this year are are surprising uh we got one that i did not expect at all and to see him deliver it in such a way it was it was it was great so i I like it i like it a lot 
So on to new business. Things that are going on, and speaking of DC, the new season for Superman and Lois will prove that uh, Superman needs the Justice League. Evidently, there's going to be a whole new story going on with a villain that is going to give Superman a bit of a run for his money. As we see uh, an, an expansion on Mannheim and all of the the evil villainy that uh, was kind of touched on during the second season. So I'm very curious to see what and how they develop this. So what we've already seen as far as a setup from season two, we've got Inner Gang, which is going to be much more prevalent. And with that brings in uh, a very interesting connection because Inner Gang in, in the comics and in history has weapons and technology all based on stuff from Apocalypse. So that means, of course, Dark Side. Now, they got me last year with... You know, uh, it, it, it wasn't, um, sorry, my brain just shut off. It wasn't Doomsday that was buried underground. It was a great buildup. They had the execution and everything, and and you got me. And, and I admitted that. I, I thought it was Doomsday. It wasn't Doomsday. It was Bizarro Superman, and all of that was, was well, well executed. So... Did I feel a little betrayed? Yes. Now, with Inner Gang now evidently being much more prevalent in Season 3, will we get teased with lots of Dark Side? Uh, I'm sure we will. Will we see Dark Side Season 3? I don't think so. I think there will be other things. Now, rumor has it that Adam Man is going to be the villain that is the, the, the big baddie for Season 3, which is fine. He's a villain... He's an older villain uh, from the comics, and I'm curious to see uh, how they they pull him off. There are some opportunities to just you know have a character that you don't need all the CGI stuff, especially when you're dealing with you know Steel and all of the other you know Super Family. I don't even know what to call him at this point because you've got you know Connor Kent who's flying around and Superman, and it's 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 fine or Jordan forget which one which one is still super but it will we'll see i'm i'm very um anxious to see if we do get the crossover with it being the final season of the flash i really really want to see kind of the last big team up and we never i mean we got kind of a clue as far as what's going on with supergirl with her being off planet but i i really i really would like to see supergirl come in flash i wouldn't mind seeing a whole justice league kind of crossover i mean we had diggle show up there a couple of times of course he ends up giving away the green ring which really annoyed me really really annoyed me but it's fine with the Flash's final season and Superman and Lois going strong. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of that interaction as they kind of do the crossover. But will we see Darkseid as the inner gang? Eh, I don't know. It's a good question. And I wish I had a better answer than I, I don't think so. I think that's a, a bigger buildup. That's a longer game, and I'm not falling for it th- again this year. I'm not. I'm not getting. I'm not getting suckered. <laughs> yeah, you heard her here first. Moving on to other things in the TV streaming world, and probably one of my. I mean, this is a hard heart favorite. This is this is something that I, I've always loved, and there's a couple of other friends out there that share the same love and passion uh, for this particular game as I do. In fact, I've got a couple of t-shirts. Uh, one that says Game Over and he's in a skeleton. Of course, I'm talking about Dragon's Lair, and it is... It, 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 it came at a very interesting time for video games with... It, it wasn't your typical side scroller it wasn't a fighting game the graphics were much better it was more you know you had to move when you were supposed to or you died and it was it was subtle sometimes you you know got into the routine and the machine would mix it up and turn it to lefts versus rights and it was a fun game but the graphics were great the interaction was awesome it was more cartoony than anything so to see that um 
they're going to be doing a live action. I know. Sit down. This this may this might be rough. I don't know. But Ryan Reynolds is involved, and um, he has some ideas and some words as Netflix is evidently taking on the live adaptation of it. And this is what he said, direct quote, uh, it really intersects in a unique way with technology that I've never been privy to in the entertainment industry. So what that actually means is... I don't know what that actually means. (laughs) So evidently they have been sitting on this whole idea since 2020 when the blip happened. And Ryan Reynolds is actually supposed to play Dirk the Daring. And I don't know if that's a good mix, if that's a great mix. I don't I don't know. Dirk, the thing is, doesn't talk. So. I don't I can't imagine a character that Ryan Reynolds does not talk. Of course, it's mostly grunts and mm and uh and ooh when, you know, you're playing the video game cuz Dirk is focused. And I know back in the day, way way back in the day, there was a cartoon that had Dirk the Daring and it was short-lived along with, you know, a couple of other very interesting uh video game cartoons based about that time. So to see this come into live action is uh, very, very interesting. But Ryan Reynolds did go on to say uh, directly, I can say that Netflix has approached Dragon's Lair in a spirit of partnership that I've never really seen before. They're taking such a swing with it. How we're approaching it and attacking it and what we're doing with it, I think will be pretty surprising to a lot of people. In its scope, I mean. And I'm not sure... But I don't think anyone's ever tried it quite like this before. So I'm curious to see how it'll go. It really intersects in a unique way with a technology that I've never been privy to in the entertainment industry. So they're taking some kind of pretty innovative stabs at this particular IP in a way that I'm blown away with. And I'm excited that uh, they're as along for the ride as we are. So to see that Netflix is as invested as they are is fine. The problem that I have with Netflix is that they're the ones to give up so quickly on their IPs that it's ridiculous. We never really got a fair shake with Cowboy Bebop, and I still say that they got it wrong. There there are so many missed opportunities just to continue it and to build off of what I already thought was a good start. Yes, there were problems. Yes, there were things that were missing from the anime and other other things that you can't, you know, just work off of. Netflix can put everything that they have into their projects. That's fine. But if they don't have the guts or the stamina to see it all the way through and to give it a, a fair shot at being successful, then what's the point? I know they've been working on this for the last two years, and I know that they have put maximum effort into it to make sure that it hits all of the right points and checks all of the right boxes, and everyone has been saying that this is a living, breathing thing uh, is fine. And if Netflix wants to experiment with you know, other venues of delivering shows and, and ideas, that's fine. But stick to your guns. Hold the line. Stay with it. Because the last thing I want to see is Dragon's Lair come out, be spectacular for me, and it just not all of a sudden, eh, we like it, but meh. You got you abandoned Cowboy Bebop at, at the gate, in my opinion. You didn't give it a fair enough shot. You you rushed decisions. I think if Netflix would have, yeah, no, I know I'm, I'm talking to Netflix as if they're right right in front of me. They'd just given it a fair shake. I think a second season would have solidified the fan base. I think it would have solidified the characters. There would have been some other deliverables that we could have seen for the characters. Dragon's Lair is so much more than the video game itself. I know the video game only happens in the dragon's lair. So how are you going to build a story off of that? What does that look like? Are we going to get a dragon? Uh, Is it, you know, Ryan Reynolds running through a maze? I mean, or is it him just being smart with, you know, Patsy behind him with a couple of coconuts? I don't 
know how you turn that into a series. And even the cartoon from back in the day was a bit choppy as, you know, how many times can he storm, you know, the dungeon to save the princess? Excellent questions. And I'm glad you asked this because I have a theory. No, not really. I don't I don't have a theory on this one at all because I don't know what they're going to pull for material. I know that Dragon's Lair to me is something special and huge and and and, and spectacular. The problem that we run into is how do you build a you know, action adaptation of it and 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 give us a world we have the witcher we have ex machina we have you know a few other i mean we've got the new dungeons and dragons film that'll be out next year with chris pine that looks relatively entertaining they have taken big swings at this kind of particular ip not dragon's lair but in the genre and have not gotten the results that they were hoping for witcher is a unique uh, experiment, but I think that's more Cavill delivering than the show because a lot of people were not on board during that first season. It was a lot of jumping, it was a lot of time stuff, and it, everything didn't sync up till the very end. Yet they saw it through to the second season, which I still think Cowboy Bebop earned a second season. They deserved a second season. I'm glad that they are on board for a second season for Sandman because again, I think what they did, their approach, and everything that's behind it is great ryan reynolds is also set to produce the film uh and and hopefully that will continue to coax them into doing it so i i I don't i don't know my fingers and my hopes and dreams all lie on this well okay not all of them but it it sounded good when in my head (laughs) But I just want it to be good, and I don't want Netflix to abandon it. That's all I'm saying. And maybe, maybe I'm being skittish for no, no good reason at all. But the track record for Netflix, not the best. And moving along to movie news, and if you're a little late to the party, that's quite all right because... This one has kind of exploded over the the last few days with a lot of different details, and it depended upon what you were focused in on. But we do get the first look at Indiana Jones 5, and it's, um, it's very interesting. There's a lot of fun stories coming out of this, especially like one of the big stories is them regressing Harrison Ford to look 40 years younger. Evidently, there's a scene that takes place in 1944 – and they de-age him to fit the part. So evidently the whole story is, um, again, we're fighting Nazis. You can't go wrong with fighting Nazis. That's kind of been Harrison Ford's uh, Indiana Jones persona. He's done it a couple of times, and it almost feels like a Star Trek. You know, every other one is, you know, a hit. I don't know. The, The Crystal Skull, let's face it, guys. Oof. And they were fighting Nazis in that one, too, weren't they? Mm. We'll see. Anyway, the uh, if you've seen it already, the Empire Magazine cover shows an alternate one for direct edition with him standing in New York City. So there's kind of a thing of, I think we're going to see a story that evolves around something that happens in 1944 and then fast forward to him in New York and everything kind of takes place with that it looks great. It's It looks fun. I mean, it's hard to tell because you get the one movie poster with him on the bridge and, you know, in the typical indie garb. And then, of course, you have the one with him in New York with the buildings. And it it looks compelling. And, of course, I'm sure things will move around as things do with an Indiana Jones film. The de-aging technology that they're using, it looks fine with me i mean evidently it's the same stuff that they used for the irishman to you know de-age some of the gangsters which you know could have needed it let's yeah let's just say they needed it there's not a whole lot going on as far as leaks anything on on what the story is there's a lot of other stuff as far as like antonio banderas is in it toby jones uh and uh boyd hallbrook which will be fun. I mean, we get some new villains, and I, I, it's it's fine. It's it's okay. 
the funny thing about this is the uh, step goddaughter. What is? It's a weird. Uh, I don't know, and I'm trying to remember my my indie history. That sounds just weird to say. Um, there is in Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. There is a scene where Indy is talking to a little girl that is supposedly like his daughter or. Uh, granddaughter if I'm not mistaken like I said it's been a while since I've it's been a minute since I really watched young Indiana Jones so you'll excuse me if the details in my mind are a bit fuzzy but right now as it stands Phoebe Weller uh, is Indy's goddaughter and she she's an excellent actress and she's playing Helena who, for some strange reason, is his goddaughter? I don't know. Then I'm sure there's probably, you know, wonderful mysteries that come out of this and we figure out, you know, how this all fits together and where everyone is. But I honestly, like I said, in my young Indiana Jones Chronicles mind, I swear that was his daughter and not his goddaughter that he was talking to, that he basically handed the mantle of Indiana Jones over. Because this is the last time... Harrison Ford suits up as Indiana Jones. And take that as you will. I'm sure they won't. They couldn't kill Indy off. Could they? Oh, my God. Please don't do that. I would be heartbroken. I'd walk out of there and I got absolute tears, like, like a bucket of tears. Just don't do that. Let, let them just let them just sit back in a, in a museum somewhere. Be it be a curator or something. Don't kill him. Sorry. Going down my own my own rabbit hole. But. I'm I'm sure that everything will figure itself out. A lot of speculation around her character is that it's Marcus Brody's daughter, who, of course, we, we lost, and he's, you know, no longer with us. In fact, the only character I think that is coming back to reprise his role is John Rice davies as Sala. So everyone else is um, new characters, which which is fine. I'm 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 great with new characters, but the uh, the whole who she is, and I love that everyone just is speculating that it's uh, Marcus's Brody's, you know, daughter. Which is fine. That'd be great, and uh, it, it it would make sense. It would piece well together. But I you know I think Shia LaBeouf has been kind of mentioned, and there's been rumors that he may make a slight appearances like in passing. So we'll see, and maybe Indy's got another daughter out there. Who knows? <sighs> so many speculations, so much going on on this. The other big part of it, and it's kind of sad, uh, is that this is going to be the first one Steven Spielberg is not directing. I mean, I know Crystal Skull did him no favors, and he's been focused on other projects, but, you know, it just kind of seems hand-in-hand to have Indy and Spielberg together right there. It just just makes sense. It's okay. <laughs> Instead, they have Stephen Mangold, who uh, was the director for Logan, and that's, that's fine. I, I liked Logan. It was a really well-done film, and it, it's, I don't know, I think kind of fits for Indy. It works. But we'll, we we don't have long to wait, actually. Indiana Jones 5, which they just keep calling it Indiana Jones 5, will be in the theater June 30th of next year. So not not far to wait, and hopefully we'll, um, we'll get some answers as to, to who and what and all of that. And speaking of heartbreaking, this came across my desk and it just broke me up. Gary Oldman is retiring from acting. Um, the, I mean, the quintessential actor. I mean, the man is just ridiculously talented. So fantastic. Um, to retire from acting is just, it, it's sinful. It's just wrong. I, I forbid it. Gary, I, I, I forbid you to retire. But evidently, Gary Oldman has 
has stated he's planning to retire after Slow Horses, which is his current project, wraps up. He's expressed interest in devoting time to pursue um, other ideas and, and passions outside of the film industry. Slow Horses is a spy thriller that will soon debut its second season on Apple TV. Uh, it's already been renewed for a third and fourth season at, at the streaming service. However, it remains uncertain if Oldman will still be part of the cast by then. The actor said in a recent stop with Sunday Times that he'd had an uh, inevitable career, but careers wane. He is 65 next year and doesn't want to be active when he's 80. I'm 65 next year. 70 is around the corner. I don't want to be active when I'm 80. I'd be very happy and honored and privileged to go out as Jackson Lamb, his character in the show um, Slow Horses, and then hang it up. I mean, I watched his uh, um, Winston Churchill movie, which I think it's The Darkest Hour, was spectacular. He he delivered one of the most amazing Churchills that that I could imagine. Oh, and of course, where would we be for Fifth Element without him playing Zerg, Zorg, Zorg, the, the and Dark Knight, the best James Gordon ever? Dare we say ever? I say ever. There's just so many roles that Gary Oldman has played, and needless to say. Harry Potter? I mean, the the list is long. It is lustrous, and he has been probably one of the best character actors of my time, your time, everyone's time, and it will be sad to see him kind of just hang it up and just, just go away. Don't go away, Gary Oldman. Please don't. <laughs> and we'll see. I, we, he may be around for a few more years because maybe something else will catch his mind. I haven't watched the Slow Horses show that's on Apple TV because I don't have Apple TV. But what we do here in the studio. But I've got other things to do besides sit and watch him. I'll, instead, I'm going to go home and watch Fifth Element again. On to a little bit of comic book news and kind of something that I've been punching at for the, at least the last year that DC has definitely uh, had some challenges, some issues, lack of titles, um, character development that has been kind of waning, and of basically a comic book company that has no idea what it wants to do with its characters or what direction to take. Well, that has all come to an end with this announcement, and I can't believe they're doing yet another relaunch, I guess. I don't know. Um, they're calling it Dawn of DC, and it starts in January. Um, and basically, this was the press release from DC Comics. DC is uh, Comics is embarking on a year-long storytelling initiative, Dawn of DC. Following the events of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths and DC Universe Lazarus Planet, the world's superheroes have emerged from the biggest, most devastating battles of their lives and are reinvigorated in the fights against evil. With epic new storylines, over 20 exciting new titles, superstar creative teams, and villains that will push the heroes beyond their limits in bold adventures. This line-wide multi-event narrative initiative, that is a lot of adjectives, guys. Um, that's not me making that up. That's me reading it. <laughs> this line-wide multi-event narrative initiative... Uh, kicks off with January's Action Comics 1051. All year long, DC will be celebrating the classic characters while also embracing the next generation of new heroes. As we're going to need someone to help fight against the darkness, Dawn of DC will shine the spotlight on a number of fan-favorite superheroes, supervillains, that haven't been front and center for some time. I'm... Okay. The problem that I have... <laughs> Um, so DC is relaunching itself again. So we had, you know, I, I've lost track. New 52, Heroes Reborn. Um, I don't even know where we're at now. And just them not able to, to get it right. 20 new titles does not necessarily mean that um, it, it's, it's going to work. This is a direct quote, quote from Jim Lee. After the near multiverse ending events in Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths and DC Universe Lazarus Pit, the DC Universe will be heading towards the light, said DC publisher and chief creative officer Jim Lee. He further went on to say, with brand new series and story arcs, 
from the top creative members in comics, Dawn of DC is one of our most ambitious initiatives ever and is a chance for us to tell bigger and bolder stories across our line with bold new directions of some of DC's biggest characters. So we're getting okay so the problem is dc is not really moved off of their staples batman superman wonder woman uh aquaman kind of went and flash is still around but i liked the big cross um the dark crisis it's actually been a very good story but what i've really enjoyed more is some of the offshoot stories that dc has been doing dc versus vampires has been actually kind of a fun read for me the sergeant rock versus army of of the dead is also been a great title there have been some interesting ones that have come along the bat family is kind of hit or miss with me uh superman of course has had a lot of different ups and downs and i'm hoping they're going to pull this all together so as part of this they're bringing back a lot of characters that have been on the bench as DC has kind of sorted out their house. Of course, uh, Hal Jordan, uh, John Stewart are coming back for Green Lantern, Shazam, Doom Patrol, Green Arrow. Cyborg is getting a very interesting new look because of uh, what ends up for Dark Crisis, which we haven't seen yet, and the Penguin. So, not to be outdone by the Joker's comic right now, they're doing... Um, Penguin comes back to Gotham as, as uh, he's been rehabilitated, and everyone's kind of pushing him to be uh, a bad guy again. Okay, that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, Batman: The Brave and the Bold will be similar to Legends of the Dark Knight. In fact, I've heard they are bringing Legends of the Dark Knight back. So there there could be some great stories, um, and I don't know how I feel about them trying to relaunch dc yet again but uh, okay um the the question will they will they take the time to do it properly i don't know they haven't really named a whole whole lot of um people that stand out to me um rob williams yes uh dan mora great gabrielle uh, hardman cool um, other than that, uh, I'm not I'm not overly enthusiastic. I'm not excited about it. DC has just kind of abandoned itself, and the fact of the matter is, a cell company does not know how to run a comic book company, and and that's the problem. Hopefully, Jim Lee can just say, okay, here's what we're doing, here's the direction, and orchestrate this whole new DC initiative where he has been unable to do so in the past which okay is fine we shall see i won't rush judgments that's not true i'm totally judging the fact of the matter is dc is coming back again and hopefully they they've they've got their house clean and their shit together and finally um this is i was gonna go over this with Susie, but um it's kind of out of her field of expertise so i saved it for my my final take for this week's podcast and it's an interesting uh thought process is horror the genre to overtake superhero movies which is an act absolutely an excellent question because we've seen some interesting steps forward in the horror realm and films that have been major blockbusters that have overtaken um the 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 public the fans and the genre that no one expected and in ways that no one saw coming i've always asked a lot of the horror people are we in a new golden age of horror uh, are we upon it is are we in it and to answer my question yes i've always thought that we are and now we have these films that that are kind of starting to to show that specific point. I remember back in the day, take give me a moment. There was um, this kind of renaissance in horror, if you will. You had TV shows that were trying to follow along with the horror films. You had Nightmare on Elm Street, which was a great, interesting. Okay, great is pushing it. It was an interesting series that only had Freddy Krueger show up. You know. I think once <laughs> in the show, 
but it dealt with the dreams and all of that, and it was it it was okay. They could have done it better. Um, there was a lot of potential, and it fell a little flat. The other show was Friday the Thirteenth with cursed relics and artifacts that these three people would go and track down and put in in the little the vault kind of very yes warehouse 13 i understand that but it was it was fun and but it being called friday the 13th and the cursed items and them trying to find it it was interesting and it went for a number of seasons i don't remember how long um how long did that go well, I guess it only went for three years. It felt longer than that. Uh, October 3rd, 1987 to May 26th, 1990. And it was kind of a fun little series. But, again, it was – it was. I think this is as close to the golden age of horror that we can kind of come until now. We're seeing blockbusters that nobody expected to see. Horror films that are not only dominating during the spooky season, um, but year-round. We're seeing horror films come out in the the summer and spring. And when it was only limited to, like I said, the, the winter months, we would probably get a nice good gambit of you know four or five films starting in September and going right into November just to have the... Christmas and all of the other blockbusters for the holiday season to hit. This year, they um, started dominating the box office in March. Um, the film X, which was an absolute gem. Uh, if you haven't seen X, you you, you need to. It's a 70s style fl- uh, slasher flick, and it is absolutely brilliant. It's a prequel to Pearl, uh, which is, um, again, odd, but worth it. The fun thing about this is they, you know, small budgets. The Black Phone, which is an adaptation of Joe Hill's uh, book, another huge freaking hit and then let's not forget nope we've got all of these things that are just coming together to form the perfect storm for horror we're stepping outside of it there's opportunities for mass returns on smaller budgets than we've seen for anything lately from the superhero side and we already know my thoughts on black panther this week and how much money went into that we have avatar which is coming and i read something ridiculous that they need to make two Billion B, two billion dollars to break even on this film, and will it be this visual spectacle that we're all expecting that makes us just kind of go ooh and relive the original Avatar potentially? But again, I think it's a little late on this film, and they may have missed the mark. And this is going to be a two billion dollar rock that sinks right to the bottom of the ocean. Horror films. They they endure, they last. You can give them a little bit of time because the premise is still there. How you want to tell the story and how you build up to it is is up to the 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 director, the story. It's flexible, especially with uh, like Halloween ends. the The last one was great, uh, and I know the new one that just came out with the final face off is spectacular and. It really it, it, it gets the heart racing. It gets the mind going, and you get all of the cliches, and it's fine. It's fun, and it's enjoyable. It, it's, it is what it is in horror films, and, and I, I like that, especially with, like, Nope. Nope was so well put together and crafted that uh, Peel just continues to be a solid hit for me as far as a director, a writer, just a presence in the horror community. So... I know Halloween Ends has definitely received a lot of its own mixed reviews, but the big shocker, and I mean big shocker, well, not really, because I did get to sit down and talk to the guys, is Terrifier 2. This film so far exceeded any expectations of fans, filmmakers, critics, all of it. Everybody sat down, and I almost think they had written the movie off. The first film is its own little gem if you haven't seen the original terrifier you should it is an awkward 
interesting little foray into the life of a clown. <laughs> I really should have said that when I was talking to Dave. Anyway, the whole fact of Terrifier is interesting. And when you listen to the interview with the guys and what they were going for, Terrifier 2, not only did they hit that, but they far exceeded any expectations that I had from Terrifier. I even talked about it in the interview with them. What, how do you top that scene in Terrifier? And not only did they top it, but they dominated it. It is absolutely spectacular. And to hear people say they, they should get an Oscar, I really, please, give, give Terrifier to an Oscar. Oh my God! I want, I want to see him go down and accept his Oscar in full clown gear. That would be <laughs> awesome. But back to my point: the the superhero movies has definitely run their course. They have popped the bubble. They have the the. I don't know if they've overstayed their welcome, but I definitely think they need to rethink the approach. Horror is definitely. I mean, you've you've got you're, you've got flexibility. You've got everything from vampires, ghosts, slashers, stalkers, animals, aliens, uh, amoeba, amoeba, viruses. There's so many different things that the horror genre can manipulate and just make scary. It it and even like now we've got TV shows that are coming in trying to not only exceed what we did in the 80s and 90s, but way exceed it. The new Chucky series. I mean, it's Chucky, but it's 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 a watered down Chucky, but it's still Chucky. American Horror Story has been blazing this trail on its own for quite a while. And, you know, we won't bring Walking Dead into it because that's its own animal. But you have the this whole new landscape that if horror is done right, it's it's very powerful. It's very much a a a minimal risk comparatively to superheroes to science fiction to you know the big action blockbusters and as much as it pains me to say that um i honestly think horror can save the movie industry and i'm not the only person to think this variety reported that james wan and jason bloom are in advance talks to merge their two companies. Atomic Monster, which is Bloom's uh, uh, production company, and uh, Atomic Monster. No, Bloomhouse. Excuse me. Atomic Monster and Bloomhouse. Both these companies coming together to form a, uh, and this is, the, this is Variety's words, powerhouse, okay? Just to have someone else even think this is is kind of, um, interesting. Variety was quoted, Bloomhouse, known for its low-budget approach to Terra, is currently under the first-look deal with Universal, which would also extend to Atomic Monster as long as the deal closes. Juan's first-look deal with Warner Brothers ended earlier this year after nearly a decade. So everyone has been kind of doing this interesting little courtship with horror films and how they want to do it and how they want to approach it, and Universal's been trying to resurrect its horror monster line for quite some time and have not been what you would call successful at it to get other horror directors into their fold and to ride on their skills is not a bad thing it's them understanding that they lack the skills and the tools to do it properly warner brothers sitting on these guys for a decade um is just a waste of talent it's a waste of opportunity, and Warner Brothers is gonna is is gonna suffer for this because th- I think this is going to be quite an interesting development for um, Universal if this deal actually goes through. What happens to horror if this does happen? It's a good question. I don't know. Will horror end up again like superhero movies have now? Where it's, you know, you're tired, the bubble is popped. Can we get tired of seeing teenagers scream to their deaths? <laughs> no, never. But I think if it's compelling, if we stay with the peel approach of some interesting developments, some quirkiness, some humor, and some straight out, nope, I am in. They 
they have shown the huge potential that horror has. There's a lot of horror stories out there that haven't been tapped, that haven't been looked at. I'm surprised that Joe Hill's diary isn't being dissected every day. (laughs) I mean, Nosferatu has been a very... It's been a really good show, and I'm 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 excited to see what more we can get out of this. What more compelling stories? What more frights, slashers, killer clowns from the sewers we can get before they totally run this into the ground? And I'm hoping that they're smart about it, and that doesn't happen. History as it is, I'm a little bit on the bubble, but for right now. I'm welcoming this. I would love to see a whole new horror golden age come out, and it's just a, a pick as you choose. What 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 do you feel like tonight? Slasher, vampire, monster, space. I I think there's a lot that can be tapped in this genre. I think there's a, so much more that we haven't yet to be seen, and I, I I'm welcoming it, and and I hope I hope huge huge hope for. Anyway, so that just about wraps it up here. The Thanksgiving weekend is upon us. Make sure you hit up our sponsors, Suzy Q's and Mr. Matt Campbell over at Mythica Action Line Studios for some stuff to read over the weekend. Get your Black Friday, get your turkey, get your turkey on. But that's all I got for you today. So until next week, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.